Amen. Thank you, sister. Who here has watched Andy Griffith before? So when the darlings come to town, usually what happens is there will be an opportunity for some uh, music playing, and uh, either the dad or the daughter will say, don't play that one. That one makes me cry, right? And as we were worshiping this morning, there was a couple that were right there. <laughs> and uh, what, a, what a wonderful thing to remember the goodness of God and to have those emotions stirred up within us, right? Um, real quick testimony, just so that you guys know who I am, who my family is. Um, again, my name is James Hernandez. Uh, my wife and I were both born and raised in Denver. Um, we have a total of five kids. These are the, as the kids like to say, these are the second litter. The first, the first litter is all grown up, and uh, two of them are married. We have six grandchildren, and these two here are juniors and a junior and a freshman, and they're uh, keeping us busy going here and there and doing sports and whatnot. Um, both Lori and I grew up not knowing the Lord. Lori grew up in a Catholic environment. I grew up not knowing anything. Uh, my parents had bad experiences when they were young, so they said, well, we'll just let you decide when you, when you become of age. Pretty dangerous, right? Um, but the Lord worked it out in 2005 through just a, a wild series of events. We ended up in a Baptist church, and I thought the guy was reading my mail. He was preaching the word, but he was talking about me. He was talking about this incomplete life that I was leading, chasing after the wind, just all these things that I was trying to accomplish that meant nothing. We leave wrestling with that that week. Um, Lori actually comes to faith in Christ in a talk show radio program, call-in radio program. She calls in, and she's telling her, She's telling the people on the, on the radio about some issues that we're having, and the lady says, you need Jesus. And Lori's like, what do you mean? I, I, know, I know about Jesus. Well, you might know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. You haven't been experienced, or you haven't had an understanding of who Jesus really is. And so over the radio, they led her to the Lord. She repented of her sins. And she came to, know, came to know the Lord. She then came home and told me that we either need to get married or I need to move out. And uh, so that's when the problems began. And, uh, but that next Sunday, we go back to that little Baptist church. And again, he's, he's reading my mail a second time, right? And he's preaching on all, of all things, he's preaching on working within the church. How do we as believers work within the church. It has no application to me, right? But the whole time I'm just convicted. The whole time I'm just convicted. And then at the end of the service, he gives an invitation. He says, now you might be here today and this makes no sense at all to you because you've never experienced the love of God. And he explained what that was and I went forward and uh, gave my life to Christ. So in a matter of, what, four days, came to know the Lord, both of us. 
And from then on, our lives were just radically changed, right? Our desires were changed. Uh, the things that we longed for changed. Um, that pastor and his wife kind of took us under their spiritual wing and started shepherding us, um, just walking, walking and discipling and teaching. And, 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 you know, as a brand new believer on fire for the Lord, I just wanted to do something, right? And the pastor says, well, would you help me clean the toilets? Absolutely. Sure. Right? Why not? Um, I, I'd had a pretty good work ethic growing up. My parents made sure that we were busy at work, right? And it just made sense. Why wouldn't I clean the toilets? Why wouldn't I vacuum the carpet? Why wouldn't I go mow the grass? Right? But I think, I think some believers have lost that idea. Some believers have thought that unless I'm standing here, I'm not useful to God, and that's a, that's a bad idea to have, right? Um, the Lord blessed us with Hannah and Samuel. We weren't expecting that. We, we, we thought that stage of our life is over, but I think, and I like to say because he's just that good, he heaped that blessing on top of us as well, right? So I got the majority of my theological training with VeggieTales, what's in the Bible, um, and other academic studies such as that. Um, I do work with the youth as well at our church. I'm an elder and I'm also the youth pastor, so I get to kind of see different aspects of everything in our church. It's, uh, it's been fun. Thank you for this opportunity today to open God's word. I love to um, stand before God's people and to open his word and hopefully just show you something that maybe you hadn't seen or even better, remind you about something that you have seen. I believe that one of our biggest ministries is a ministry of remembrance, of, of opening this word and saying, did you forget? Did you forget? Because you might be acting like, and you might be living your life like you forgot, but it's written right here. God's word says this. And so I love to just dig into his word and to remind people and to encourage people to look at the book. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, so please take your Bibles and open them to the book of John chapter 13. I was blessed already this morning to see that the pew Bibles match my Bible. So if you don't know where John is, turn to page 900. In our youth group, the kids won't turn their Bibles till I tell them what page we're working on because they found out that my Bible matches the Bibles that we have in the church. So you have to tell us the page number, even though every one of them knows where to go. We're on page 900, John 13. My title for today is, Do You Understand? Do You Understand? Read along with me, John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. 
He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let us pray. Father, again, we humble ourselves. We come before you, Father, asking for your help, asking for your spirit to open our ears, to open our hearts to your word. Father, help us to be reminded, help us to learn new what your word tells us. And then, Father, help us to live it out as we leave from this place. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, amen. Do you understand? This isn't a question just from an intellectual standpoint, but it's from a practical, everyday, living out your Christian life standpoint. And and again, I'm talking to those of you who have come to know Jesus, those of you who have uh, asked for that forgiveness of your sins, So this may not be for everyone in the room today, but if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I pray that you would get to know him today. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 1-7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I believe that when we seek to understand God's ways, we are acquiring wisdom. Amen? Amen. Today, I pray that we gain wisdom. The book of John is the book that we always point people to as new believers. It's written in a a way that's easy to read. Sometimes, because of that, we don't understand the deep theological truths that are present in the book of John, um, all that we can glean from the book of John. Chapters 1 through 12, um, those are the accounts of Jesus' public ministry. Everything that Jesus did, you know, as he was out and about teaching and uh, spreading his word. Starting here in chapters 13 through chapter 17, this actually speaks of Jesus' private ministry to his apostles. There's no more crowds. There's no more Pharisees. There's no more leaders. Just the twelve. This is where we get the upper room discourse from, Jesus alone with his, with his disciples. This takes place in the shadow of the cross. The cross is just a day away. 
This is Thursday night of Passion Week. Jesus will soon be crucified. And even knowing that, he continues to teach. He continues to instruct his disciples. As the hour draws near, he loves them to the end. Verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He continues to love. The wording there actually means that he's loving to perfection. He's loving with a perfect love. So thankful that on the bulletin it, there was something there from John MacArthur. Um, I was just rebuked by a brother in Christ the other day about John MacArthur. And I was like, we better check your uh, salvation card, buddy. Because, uh... <laughs> But John MacArthur says on this verse, on verse 1, he says that Jesus, he loves his own with a perfect, saving, eternal Love. This is a different love. This isn't the love that he loved the world, those who would maybe come to know him, but this is for a love for his own. This is a different love that he has for his own. Now, in this section here, we're going to see some spiritual realities through a physical truth. This is almost like a parable in action. Verse 1 really sets up the five, the next five chapters. If you look and if you flip in your Bible, if you happen to have a Bible with words in red, the next five chapters, they're just red all over the place because it's Jesus instructing, Jesus teaching. And this really sets it up. Showing his disciples, showing us that he loved them to the end. He finished the job well. Jesus doesn't sink back. Jesus doesn't rest back. He doesn't have a pity party. He doesn't focus on the trials to come, but he continues to move forward. He keeps loving his own perfectly. Verses 2 through 4, during supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garment, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. This section here reminds us that Jesus is going back to his father. He's going back to where he should be, right? He's going back to the fellowship that he once had with his heavenly father. In John chapter 16, verse 28, again, Jesus speaking, he says, I came from the father, and have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Jesus knew what he was about. He knew what his timeline was. He knew what his purpose was. And he knew what the next step was. Verses 4 and 5. He rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
Now we get to see this parable in action. We get to see the servant leadership. We get to see the king of the world set aside his prerogatives and wash the feet of his disciples. A very familiar phrase that most of us have heard, finish it if you know it. Actions speak louder than words. He'd been talking to him. He'd been telling him. He'd been instructing him. Yet, if we tie in the timeline, go ahead and turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 22. We'll see what the disciples were kind of busy doing right before this. Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. Page 882 for some of the youth. The dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he, being Jesus, said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greatest, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. So can you imagine the disciples, the confusion, the silence, the, what is he doing? As he begins to wash their feet. Even through all the teaching, and I would say this is an example for us, even through all the teaching, sometimes they just don't get it. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we just don't understand what's going on. And I think that's what was happening to the disciples here. Now, foot washing at that time, that was a normal duty. Um, as people walked along, their feet got dirty. They were, they were on dusty, dirty roads, right? Um, the shoes that they wore were sandals. There would have been a basin outside the door. And it was a, it was a normal task to be done. What's not normal is who is doing this task in this account. This is a chore that would have been assigned to the lowliest servant of the house. If you were a Jew and you had Jewish servants, you couldn't even ask your Jewish servant to do this chore. That's how lowly it was. If you had a Gentile servant, he could do it. Or if you were the host of the house and you wanted to be a really good host, you could do it. But the 12 went ahead, they had prepared this room, and not a one of them was ready to serve the king. Any of the 12 could have, any of the 12 should have, yet not one did. It took Jesus in his humility, again, showing, demonstrating what he wanted them to be about. Look at verses 6 through 9. 
He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? That's actually the way that that's phrased there. It's an emphatic on every single word. Lord, do you wash my feet? He's kind of beside himself, right? I think Peter's actually the only one who's kind of getting it. Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter, man, I love Peter. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Righteous indignation, right? Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Then Peter goes all the way to the other extreme. And he says, well, not just my feet then, but wash my hands and wash my head. Give me a complete bath. Charles Spurgeon on this section right here, Charles Spurgeon actually commends Peter. Listen to what Spurgeon says. He says, we have often noticed Peter's faults. Let us notice Peter's excellence. I admire his humility in thinking it too inferior an office for Christ to wash his feet. It is almost a proper feeling. It seemed an overwhelming condescension of love that he could scarcely permit. Although he spoke rashly when he said, you will never wash my feet, his motive was a good one. It was because he could not allow his Lord to stoop so low to wash the feet of such a poor fisherman. I think Peter was, I think Peter said what they were all thinking and what they were all feeling. Just nobody else said it, right? Lord, you shouldn't be doing this. They could not understand Jesus' humility. That not only was he willing, but that he would take on this task of service to another. He took on the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Page 980. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy of being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And just to remind you, this is Paul talking to the church of Philippi, right? He's telling them, This is the example that you're supposed to be doing. This is what you're supposed to be kind of being about. Verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. He didn't stop at the task of washing feet. He continued on. He continued on all the way to the cross. What a leader. What a servant. What a God. Amen. Back to John chapter 13, verses 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Now we have a picture here of salvation. We have a picture here of coming to know Christ, right? Being washed by the blood of Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? but the blood of Jesus. You guys need to work on that, okay? Again, we've got this picture of salvation, and Jesus tells them, those that are cleaned don't need to be bathed again. My salvation is good enough once for all. My salvation cleans you once for all. But then in our daily walk, maybe it's just me, but as I walk around and as I go to work and as I deal with some people, I get dirty, right? So that's where we go for the daily cleansing. Once we've had this once, once cleansing, right? Once we've come into that right relationship with Jesus and we're clean, now we come into a daily relationship with him to just get our feet cleaned, just to get that daily gunk off of our feet. Right? The foot washing, the spiritual foot washing is for believers who have been cleansed of their sins by the blood of Christ. Jesus points out that not all of you are clean. There was one there who was not clean. Right? Um, as I was studying this week, just coming across just the different thoughts and the different perspectives on Judas, he was still a disciple of Christ. He was still learning. He was still following. But he never understood. He never got it. He never accepted what Christ was offering to him. Therefore, he was never clean. I think you can be a follower of somebody and still not really know that person.
But that's why we have 1 John 1.9. Right? For those that are true believers, we have 1 John 1.9. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? That's, that's a verse that we should hang on to. If I wasn't such a sissy, I'd probably get that one tattooed right there. But, man, that's a, that's a wonderful verse. That's the very first time I preached. 1 John 1.9 was, was what I preached on. I had no idea what I was talking about at that time. As kind of a newer guy, my pastor, like I said, he was helping me learn this, this Christian faith, right? And once I got a little bit further along, he says, I think maybe, I think maybe you should preach. So get a text put together, and let me take a look at it, and we'll work on it. And there was another brother at that time, John. They called us the Sons of Thunder, of course, right? James and John. Between the two of us, we preached, I think, half an hour. And then the pastors of the church critiqued us, right? And uh, it, was, it was a learning process, and it was a, it was a good thing for us to do. And one of the older pastors of the church, he said, man, Brother James, you had, you were doing good, he says, but you did not hammer it home if we confess our sins. If we confess our sins. So you had that two-letter word right there that had so much power, but you just didn't bring it home. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let people know that God's word says if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we bring our sins before God and he cleanses us. And this restores the fellowship that we have with him. Our sin, my sin, gets in the way of our fellowship. Right? Right? Maybe it's just me, but man, when I'm doing something wrong, I know I'm doing something wrong. I can sense it. I can, I can sense that I'm grieving the Spirit. And at that time, if I'm living in the Spirit, I stop and I say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, God. Right? Want to have that fellowship restored. Want to be restored Jesus is also telling them, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. I'm the only one that can make you clean. There's no other way. There's no other cleansing. This is through me and through me alone, right? Through Jesus alone, can we be clean? Through Jesus alone, do we continue be cleaned. Amen? So I have two real practical steps that we can take as believers if we understand. If we're understanding God's word, if this is making sense to us, there's two practical steps. Number one, just jumps right off the page. We need to be in the business of washing feet. Now, I'm not talking about actually washing somebody's feet unless that opportunity arises to you. If it does, man, I hope you jump down onto the ground and you get to washing feet. 
we were, we were studying this in our Awana group, and I was trying to get the kids to understand it and trying to use different ways that make sense. And one young man that's always kind of pushing my buttons, right? He says, well, then you should probably wash our feet, right? I says, you know what? You're right, I should. And the whole place just went dead silent. Because I think he thought, oh, well, he's not going to do that, is he? Because it takes some humility to have your feet washed. And it takes some humility to be the foot washer. Right? I told this young man, I think I should wash your feet. Yeah, maybe that is something we should do. He had the big eyes. I haven't done it yet, but we'll see where we go with that. But, but what I'm talking about is an opportunity to serve a brother or sister in Christ. Right? How can you take on this example that we've just read about and serve somebody? Verse 17 says that if we know these things, blessed are you if you think about them, right? Blessed are you if you pray about it. Blessed are you if maybe you help form the committee and somebody else can maybe do the work. No, my Bible says that blessed are you if you do them. The example here was super relevant for their time. Washing feet, that would have been a, a daily thing, right? So it was, a, it was a good example for those men to see, here's a way I can serve. How can you serve today? Is it cleaning the church? Is it driving somebody to an appointment? Is it helping somebody cut their grass? Is it spending some time with somebody who doesn't have any relatives close by? And this list could go on and on and on, right? Now, it's going to look different for the young people than it would for some of our more seasoned folks. But if we can move, we can serve. And... We can serve in the ways that are not just easy. I think this calling here is to humble ourselves and to serve however. Maybe it's in the hard ways, right? I'm, I'm personally super guilty of serving my wife in the ways that work good for me. Hey, honey, guess what? I just cleaned your car. That's because I wanted to be working on the car, right? <laughs> hey, honey, uh, I just got all the laundry done while I was watching TV for the last three hours, right? Because you mean you got to fold the clothes. You can't just fold the clothes. You got to sit down and watch some TV while you're doing that, right? I mean, that's how I was brought up. But so I serve her, but not in the ways that necessarily help her the best, right? Maybe we're called to go out on a limb and ask, how can I serve you better? What can I do to make tomorrow a little bit easier for you? Right? And be prepared to be inconvenienced. 
Usually when I ask my wife those kind of questions, she wants me to do the thing that I don't want to do, right? But that's okay. If I'm loving her like Christ loved the church, I get to work. Second thing that I think we see from this text that I think we can apply is that we can love to the end. From this point forward, chapter 13, if you keep on reading, and I would recommend that you do, if you keep on reading, Jesus is still teaching and his instruction, it changes from the prior chapters. Now it's about love. Now it's about love. Love is now mentioned in the book of John. I don't remember the number. I should have wrote that down, but many, many times. We see kind of a shift here in his ministry. Love becomes the focus, and he gives a new commandment. It's not a new suggestion or a new recommendation or a new, if you feel like doing this, but it's a new commandment. And he says to love one another as I have loved you, right? John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I don't know if I brought my bulletin up here or not, but that the, what was on there from John MacArthur, right? That you might be the only Christ that people see. Are they going to see love in you and through you? Or are they going to see a, a person that's not loving? I hope that they, when they look at you, they see love. And I hope that when they hear your words, they hear love. And I hope that you can serve others in love. Now, I believe that loving people is actually harder than serving people because I can serve. I sometimes go to work. I, Monday through Friday, I drive a truck and I haul fuel all over northwest Kansas. And I go to farmers and I go to gas stations and I'm taking fuel. <clears throat> and there's many times that I do that without love. Right? Without joy in my heart, I just, hey, take the 500 gallons over to the farm and deliver it, put it in the tank, and move on. And I think we can even do that to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can serve them without love in our heart. And that can be a really bad thing. Right? I think some people serve, and they serve so much, so that they don't have to love on people. They can say, well, I'm, I'm just too busy. I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and A, B, and C, and you know, I just don't have time to go to that small group and love on anybody. Or, you know, I'm just, oh, I wish I could help, but I'm just so busy doing this and that and the other thing, and I, I just can't serve brother so-and-so. Maybe you could go help him. When maybe you're the right person for that job. Some people use their service as a weapon to beat up other people. Well, you know, I, not only did I vacuum the carpets, but I dusted the sills and, you know, 
cleaned the toilets, of course, and, and then Sister So-and-so came in and she organized the hymnals. <laughs> like that really helped, you know? We take on that mind frame sometimes of it's me against you or look what I've done and how come you've only done that? That's wrong. It's just wrong. We're called to serve each other in love. Maybe, maybe you didn't know this, but sister so-and-so, she can only organize the hymnal because she's in so much pain. She can barely even walk up here. And for her to get to church was a praise. And that she could actually move the hymnals and organize them. Man, she must be having a good day. Right? It's all about your perspective. It's all, all about your perspective. Do you know that sister well enough to know why she's doing what she's doing? Have you loved her enough? Have you served her enough to know that next step? I think sometimes we don't do that. We don't take that next step to get to know people, to, to serve people in love. One of my former pastors at that little Baptist church used to tell me, he says, you know, James, you know how I know that you love me? Because you show me. You show me that you love me because you serve me. Different ways, right? Just, again, as a new believer, I was just, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because my life had been radically changed. And so I just wanted to express my love somehow. Can I charge you guys? Let our service, let your service, and your love for Jesus continue to grow. May we love to the end like Jesus did. Now, if you're here today, and if you don't know about this love that we're talking about, this love of Jesus, if you've never had a time in your life where You've experienced that love. Maybe today is that day. The Bible says that we are all sinners. The Bible says that we all need the forgiveness that God offers. The Bible says that there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. We're called to repent of our sins. We're called to move forward in this new life that we are now given. If you're here today and if you've never experienced that, I would ask that you come up and talk to me later, talk to one of the leaders of the church. We would love for you to get to know this Jesus that we know. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this example that your son gave us. He gave us this example to love well. Gave us this example to serve well. Father, I thank you for that. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. God, I ask that you would help them to serve each other well. I pray that you would help them to love each other well. And God, that you would be glorified through their actions. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.